The following is for your ears, and your ears only. The amateur voice actors featured in this podcast, Bruce, Britt, and James, not Edgar, I wasn't there, are about to demonstrate some technical issues that you will not want to replicate during your recordings. Some examples include, but are not limited to, 1. Never put your computer near the mic, or fan noises may be picked up in the raw audio. Being that we're amateurs, this is difficult to edit out in post-processing, but we did the best we could. 2. Always make sure you are recording in the correct mode slash channel. The first 15 minutes were said to be recorded in the left channel. My right ear got jealous. 3. Table tapping may be fun for the performers, but most likely not enjoyable for the listeners. Aside for obvious reasons right now, Bruce has also been quarantined for excessive tapping. Thank you for understanding that this was just a blip in our journey. Expect better audio in future recordings. This was not a planned demonstration, but we enjoy showing you our raw process. Smiley face emoji. Here we are, together again. So let's just wing it. Well, first of all, I have to introduce myself. Yeah, you didn't do that last time. I, uh, yeah, the first episode. That was a rookie mistake. Who are you and um, who are we and what is this podcast name? So I'm James Wong and I'm here with my friends Bruce and Brittany. Uh, we're missing our good friend Edgar, but this is Evolution. It's a podcast all about four beginners taking their journey to become uh, voiceover artists. Hell yeah. Love the enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> again and doing a second episode that first episode was definitely an educational piece of experience in life i don't know if i said that right i speak for a living but you know uh not yet hopefully yeah. soon. i was about to ask yeah no, no not yet not yet um but yeah yeah so in our first episode we talked about uh what what brought us here what were our first steps and um you know what i found interesting in the first episode was that uh None of us really had like these great eureka aha moments on, oh yeah, the voiceover is my thing. This is the thing I'm going to do. Um, we all had little things within our life that uh, slowly led us here. I just thought that was interesting that all four of us, um, kind of the same type of thing. Um, I don't believe in eurekas for anything though, so uh makes sense to me. That's really, explain that. Why don't... I mean, who chooses to be an accountant, which is my current career? You had no eureka moment for. Uh, being I've an had no eurekas for anything aside from eureka. That's my cat, and I <laughs> got a cat when I saw it, and I knew I liked it. I asked the owner, "Can I have that?" And uh, they said yes. So did that you was, did you name it eureka? I named it Mozart. Most why did Not you name it Mozart? It's the best character in white collar. If you haven't seen that amazing television show. Not a sponsor. <laughs> it's the essence of peculiar fun. Just a lovable man that's a mystery. Except uh, my cat's way cuter. Nice. <laughs> we need to put up a picture of Mozart at some oh, point. Oh, totally. That's the cat it. or the real dude? Probably the cat next to the real dude. Can we have the cat dressed like Mozart? With that, like there the you go. And in front of a piano? This Can it be a keyboard cat? cat? Yes. Yes. For this episode, we're talking about... Uh, some of the different hurdles that we've all had to overcome. We miss Edgar. Edgar, we miss you. And, uh, he was a big hurdle. He was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
does he get? He won't hear this. I don't think so. He doesn't, he's never going to listen to his own work. So. It doesn't smell as bad as it did when he was <laughs> <laughs> Smells like firefighter in here. Jeez. Sweaty fires. All right. Well, hurdles. Hurdles you guys have had to overcome. All right. So for me, I mean, a hurdle is just doing anything that involves putting myself out there. We've talked about there might be different hurdles, but I feel like that's something everyone's probably going, we're all having fears of. But I, I'm very not cool about doing something that might make myself look like a fool. I've got rules about, you know, don't drink in public, you know, just do all those silly things by myself because I don't want to have to be reminded of those foolish things later. And right now, this is all getting taped. I think. I've lost my privacy. I'm now interacting on Facebook. That's not something that I ever did. So, really? I mean, you can go back. You can see, like, uh, I had, like, one picture every year. I mean, I once had a gutter picture as my face. It's, like, I'm exposed. This is scary. So the hurdle is? No privacy. Feeling like I'm naked and afraid. You have a lot of TV show references, you know that? And I don't even really watch. Yeah, I know you. You mentioned that you didn't even watch. You listen to audiobooks and read books and stuff. (laughs) You know, it's funny you mentioned the social media thing because in my day job, I have over the years, it's not paranoia. I just, I really, really, really dislike social media. For so for doing this, one of the hurdles, and and I still feel like I'm laying on the ground after tripping over a bunch of different hurdles and I'm not even like, you know, a tenth of the way through the race. But um, one of the hurdles has definitely been just to know and to accept the fact that I'm going to have to go on Facebook and Twitter and all these other places to start branding myself because in my day job, I hate those things. I work in cybersecurity. We'll put it that way. And so I just don't like social media. Which Okay, so it's strange. A long, long time ago when I was trying to get into game development because I really wanted to do something with video games. Now I am kind of moving in a different direction for it, but I thought maybe coding would be fun. And so long before, well, I don't want to say long, but a while ago, maybe in the mid to late 2000s, so like 2005, 2006 or so, there was a lot of people just blogging. Right, Not like the food blogs and the fashion blogs and stuff like that that you see now, but like personal blogs. And developers from video games kind of saw this as, as a budding um, Im- immersive tactic to be able to get to their, peop- uh, to, to their audiences and give feedback. And they provided a lot of conversation and whatnot via these blogs, right? And, and they would talk to the people that ran these blogs. And it's not so different from what they do today except now they approach people on Twitch because you have streaming technology and YouTube and all these other people that can put actual stuff out there instead of just writing stuff down and posting pictures. But back then, I tried to do that, and I thought it'd be a lot of fun to be able to interact with those people doing that. And slowly, like, I never really liked things like AOL or MySpace or Facebook nowadays or um, Twitter. um, I only ever used, and it's very, very infancy when it was meant, or I don't want to say meant, but it was used between game development companies to kind of just talk amongst each other. Yeah, that really, that's what how Twitter started. Like, not 100%, but when it first happened, that's where I met and spoke to oh. a lot of game development people, and it wasn't a very popular 
this is me. I'm going to the bathroom. Right, right, right. It took me 30 seconds. Here we go. I'm tweeting about it. You know, it wasn't that. It was, there was a lot of focused communication and there weren't a lot of people on Twitter. And so you could use it as kind of almost an evolution of email to speak directly to game developers and all kinds of stuff, people like that, right? And then it blew up into whatever it was. From that point, I just don't like social media. There's not, it's not a fear. Um, I know how to deal with the stuff that's out there because of what I do. But yeah, it's, it's just that... I don't like it. And now I have to figure out how to use it properly to get my branding out there and marketing and all this other stuff. And it just seems like a big effort to me. It is. It is a big effort. So this is a a current obstacle that Bruce is overcoming or will overcome. uh, Yeah, I will have to overcome if I want to be successful. Exciting. Well, yeah, I mean, did we mention that Bruce did his demo today? No. No. Um, No. The hurdle of social media and branding is right in front of you. Yes, it's looming in front of me, and I'm about to trip over it because that's what I do with hurdles. I don't jump over them. I just power through them. Uh, so. You just roll around in them and yeah. see I'll how it works out. run right into it and fall down and scrape my <laughs> knees and wrestle with the hurdle and throw it away and then get back up and do the same thing with the next one. Um, I can relate. That's the best way Yeah, to but you ever. know your method, though. I do. I do know You're aware method. of your method, which is half the battle. Yeah. Once you're done with that hurdle, I'll give you some more that I've noticed. Yeah, well, to be told later, I'm not even going to go there. Why? We're talking about hurdles. Yeah. Well, go for it. Let's uh, talk about your haircut. What's wrong with my haircut? Yeah. We'll talk about it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I actually, no, no. Boy, I thought. Yeah. I was wearing my headset. Right I thought there. that was coming out of. Well, Boy. I'm getting angry. You know what happens at nighttime. Oh, you oh. didn't bring food. Look, man, I can't. Right out of work, and then I come got the here. munchies. We have to bring food for I you. I ate some raisins. Well, then there you go. Shouldn't you be? Fine? I just everything I've thought about eating, like a big bowl of ice cream, and a giant power shake, was all like a lot of lactose, dairy. We need to have a talk all about nutrition on this show. Nutrition will be fifty percent of your success, or it'll be ninety percent of your failure. I feel like I'm relatively nutritious. <laughs> you know, the after work part is a is a challenge. But yeah, we'll have to have a we'll have to have a talk about nutrition on this show. Bruce, you've got to admit an actual challenge that you've already overcome. Oh, that you've you overcome. That I've already overcome. I th- okay. Yeah. But there are so many that I'm just continuously tripping over. Yeah, um, you've been doing this for a while. What are you starting to master right now? Jesus. Not what will you? Okay. Well, there was something that I thought I had mastered until today, but it kind of took on a different form, which is confident. I always thought that I was pretty confident. My wife tells me that I am charismatic only when I need to be, right? And I will admit to that. I don't necessarily like talking to people in person, but if my job calls for it or if I have to do it for whatever, it doesn't bother me, but I don't choose to do it. And my wife reminds me of that every day. Um, (laughs) I was told in one of my coaching sessions that the particular coach I was talking to thought that I lacked confidence. Mm. And then he explained why. And it wasn't just a, it wasn't a simple explanation. It was actually pretty deep. So I learned a lot of stuff. And that is one thing about this journey. You learn so much stuff about yourself. It's ridiculous. Things that you didn't even know, you didn't know, right? And then it becomes a measure of finding all the things that you figure out and then figuring out how to fix them. But Fixing confidence is um, something that people deal with every day, right? And I never... It's constant. I never really thought about it. I always thought of myself as a confident person because I was confident when I needed to be. And when you go in and you're supposed to just be you in the booth and talking in a, in a casual way, because that's most of what I like to do is casual reads. 
Uh, yeah. I don't I don't like the big announcery type stuff. When when you're doing a character, it's a lot easier because you're just like, oh, I'm this character, I'm doing this, and he's confident and whatever, and, and I know how it sounds. When I go in and do a commercial, and even when I speak to people, I have a problem. I trail off on my sentences and stuff, right? And it comes from lack of confidence. Confidence that I believe somebody should be listening to me. Or confidence that somebody finds me interesting. Or that lack of confidence. So overcoming that and feeling like you own the booth and you're supposed to be there. And that it's okay to give yourself some praise when you do well. You're going to do bad and recognize it, but don't let it weigh you down. And taking all that and packaging up and saying, yeah, I'm confident I can do this. And just going in and owning your reads and leaving. I thought, and I did, I got a really good coaching session from it. And I thought that it would carry through. And then today when I did my demo, I didn't really have much confidence problems in the booth. But afterwards, you know, my psyche is kind of kicking in like, are you sure? Did yeah. you Like that kind of stuff. Man, I, I know that's not something that I had overcome, but maybe you should try to figure out something like early on. Well, I mean, is there anything that you are trying to implement to build up that confidence? Like what, what's the takeaway? Because I have those issues too. So the takeaway for me really was when I do my recordings in my booth at home, I'm very relaxed. There's nobody around. It is dead quiet in that booth. And I feel good because I'm just there. I can do whatever I want. Nobody's watching. I can move around. I can do whatever, right? And when you go to classes or you go to an actual studio to do a recording, it's not like that. And you have to come to terms with that, obviously, because it's going to be something that you're probably going to be asked to do. Um, but it's more of just the attitude that knowing, let's say you book a job, right? You have to know, number one, that you booked it. They picked your voice over hundreds, if not thousands, if not more auditions that they received that somebody painstakingly went through and figured out this voice sounds the best for what we're going to do. And they chose you. And so you deserve to be there. That's your booth now for the time that they're recording, right? You have to know that. If you don't, you're going to beat yourself up and you're going to make even more mistakes and you're just going to make yourself look bad. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to flub lines. Everybody does it, even the pros. Everybody, there are some pros that I've read and, and heard say that they still get nervous when going into an actual studio booth. Yeah. It just, it happens, right? Some days you just might not feel it. Like, you know you got to go to work. So building up the confidence is more about knowing that what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing. They chose me. I booked this out of my own effort. I'm supposed to be here. And then you just walk in like it's your booth at home. Yeah, you have the skills. You already have the yeah. skills to do it. I've seen um, people do recordings in studios and stuff. The windows in the room are very small from the door, if they even have any. Yeah, you don't get to see the uh, frowns on the people's faces or the smiles. Right. You, you don't, I mean, and, and they'll talk to you over the headset if they want you to do something. But otherwise, you're focused on your copy in front of you or the microphone or mm -hmm. whatever imaginary person you're talking to. So can you get the confidence before you get booked? You know what I mean? Because uh, right now you're looking for jobs. As far as I know, you haven't had yeah. your first gig yet. So uh, my, I don't want to say it's a lack of confidence. What, I, what I'm dealing with now is just that little bit of cloud of doubt. Like, she told you you did really good. Are you sure you did good? And it's, it's, it's that thing that I have to battle with because that's what caused me to pause my demo in the first place. It's the idea of imposter syndrome, yeah. right? So Exactly. And that's, so that's, that's actually a hurdle I can talk about, is the fact that I was ready to do my demo at the end of the year. And I was told by a professional 
in the voiceover industry that I was ready to do my demo. And I second-guessed myself, and I gave myself lots of reasons of why I needed more time to figure it out. But I had a professional tell me that I was ready. So in being able to recognize that and recognize that, why did I do all these things? Why was I sabotaging myself? Why was I afraid of success? Was I afraid of success? And answering all these questions and going back in self-reflection, I found out that there was no reason. Like coming to the realization of that and then making a snap judgment and going, all right, I'm going to do this. And then doing it and not looking back. Because if you give yourself time to doubt yourself, you're never going to do it. Especially if you don't have confidence in the first place. So when I came to that point, like, there's no good reason. And I'm like, hey, let's do this. And then, uh, and then we did it. It was, it was that hurdle of allowing myself to play and to have fun and to be successful um, that, that I had to overcome before I got to where I am today. And I, I just did that by having a lot of really cool people talk to me, which was cool, but then being able to absorb that information and take it in and then making that judgment and doing it and not second guessing myself and not giving myself the time to go, are you sure? Nope, I'm just gonna do it. Because once you've booked it, like to me, that's like, I don't wanna cancel. I know I could. Forget it. Yeah, I know I could, but I'm not gonna write back and be like, mm, you know what, I, I booked that, but I'm now I'm gonna cancel. And it, I'm, it'll be different for everybody, but to me, that was like. Give me a second here, guys. I'm, <coughs> I'm gonna edit that part out. I just. Uh, technical reasons, what would you do? Uh, okay, yeah, I was uh, recording from one channel like a freaking idiot. That's what you're supposed to. Or does it only record from one side of the mic when you do that? Because mono is fine. That's what you're supposed to record in. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because you don't the need one to side do multi-track. Oh, it was on, okay, oh, only okay. one side. Hate of the mic. me, but okay. uh, no, you know that's what? all right. I'll, I'll edit it. Don't worry. I'm learning. No, it's fine. Do we need to start over? No, I mean. Are we recording now? Yes. Okay. I mean, we are recording. We were recording, but uh, you know what? I'm cutting that all up in all right. fun. <laughs> so, okay, this is what I think is interesting um, in that all of us, and I haven't even talked about mine, but th this idea of imposter syndrome, right? We all suffer from it. Um, Brittany uh, not feeling like she wants to be seen in public. You not feeling, even though you've been told you're worth it, that you're not worth it. Uh, for me, I have a lot of issues around stepping in there. And this idea of being yourself, being able to go up there and be yourself, is I find is one of the hardest things to do. And I think that's that's part of my own imposter syndrome. This idea that um, even though, you, like you were saying, you get booked, you know you have the skill level. You know you're the one. But yet you have the doubts, even though you've booked a job, You've gotten great praise, whatever, whatever, as far as positives go. So what's interesting to me is like all of us are working and working towards being successful VO artists. How are we each going to get over our own imposter syndrome? I need you to go deeper into yours. Into mine? Yeah. I like, mean. Okay. So, um. So the idea of imposter, we know what imposter syndrome is, right? This idea that even though you have the abilities, you don't feel that you're worth it. Um, people aren't going to listen to you and that you're probably a fake anyway. So this idea of just being yourself, I find very, very hard. Because if people find out that you're a fake just being yourself... 
then what are you supposed to do? Well, you know, it's funny because one of the issues that I had and I was subconsciously dealing with my confidence problem by doing this was even in commercials, right? Like character reads and stuff like that are, are, are way different. Well, to a degree, you, you could argue. But commercial reads, what I was told is they want you, but they want you in the way that the commercial specifies, right? Which is fine, but it has to be you. Right. If, if the person in the commercial is sad, you got to be sad. If the person in the commercial is happy, you got to be happy. Because I did this with uh, one of my one-on-one coaches, and I'm like, you know, when I'm when I'm reading and I'm trying to figure out what the person in the commercial is doing, he's like, there's a problem. I was like, what, I didn't even tell you the whole thing? He's like, nope, that's the problem. You're associating the commercial person being a whole other person. When you look at that commercial read, what am I feeling and what am I trying to make other people feel and who am I talking to? That's you got to be in the commercial, right? And yeah. so what I was doing was projecting some other character into the commercial. Even when it was just a commercial, I was creating a false character to do this read. Even if the guy was supposed to be exactly like me, even I was supposed to be doing a conversational read, right? I would create a character of this guy who's just like me. I, I do the same thing. Sitting on a porch or doing whatever and talking when it could have just been me. And it's so much easier. Because all you have to do is go, let me think of something happy that happened to myself. <laughs> cool. And then you read it like that. You give yourself a little laugh and you read it or you think of something sad and you, you kind of let it you let it bring you down and you think about it and then you do your read. Well, I feel like that's a definitely a huge challenge. Um, especially, well... For myself, I feel like I even look at my own memories as a separate person because I'm like, oh, I'm so different than I was yesterday and the day before. And it's hard for me to think of a memory and actually bring it back to being myself. You're like dissociative personality disorder? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's too meta for this but no that's no that's a no that's a that's a very common thing because there's probably people out there thinking that same exact thing like i'm not emotional enough to figure out how to bring these memories into myself i'm emotional in the moment and then i just let it go but see that's the thing right so then you got to make that work for you how do i bring it back that and that's okay so that's what i'm talking about about being yourself right these little things that you tap into Right, You know how you are when you're upset or when you're happy. And like you're talking about um, bringing it into the read. Tapping into that and knowing that being yourself is okay, is prob- that's probably the hardest thing I, I deal with. Yeah. Because, like I said, if it's not okay, then what do I do? Then you're not you. Right. right. And then they wouldn't have booked you in the first place. Right, and exactly. That's, and that's what you have to recognize is... They booked me because they liked my voice and they liked me. They liked what I brought. If your demo is a fake you and everything that you've done so far is a fake you, you're not going to get very far because you have to... What is that? There's a saying about lying and how difficult it is to do because you have to do the same lie. Yeah, yeah. uh, You never have to remember anything if you don't tell a lie. Exactly, exactly. You never have to remember anything if you don't tell a lie. So, and I don't think you could really do this. Like acting... Mark Twain, by the way. Mark Twain? Hmm. I think I've heard of him before. Um, <laughs> acting, even though acting is being another character, which we are actors, right? Ugly even, actors. What? <laughs> ugly. Yeah. We're all very ugly, even, if you ever see us. <laughs> even though we're acting, 
and sometimes we get to get into character and do stuff, we're still putting a part of ourselves in there. And that has to be the real you. Yeah, right? and that's the part I struggle with yeah. understanding. And it's it's hard because you go in there and you want to deliver exactly what they want. You just got to realize that what they want is you. So for you, I I, I honestly don't even know where to start. Other <laughs> other than other than you're hopeless. Bruce is talking no. to Brittany, by the way. So. Yeah, Brittany. Oh yeah, yeah. Other other than turning that. We game. know that music makes you really happy, right? Music is one of the things that Brittany loves, and she loves listening to maybe very specific bands, but it doesn't matter because you know what it is that makes you happy, right? So before you do a read, it doesn't have to be remembering what it felt like to go to a concert or remembering what it felt like the first time you listened to the song. It doesn't have to be that. It can be like, I hear the song in my head, and it makes yeah. me happy, right? This is a happy song. This is a sad song. Right. There's a song for and everything. Yeah, and so if you think about that right before you do your read, like, oh, I'm listening to this song. Or actually, since you're in a booth and nobody can see you, just put the headphones in your ear. I've heard about people who um, have to be stimulated by external stimuli in order to get going, and they'll do reads with one earphone in their ear, listening to whatever music it is that makes them happy. That's huh, that's interesting, because sometimes when I read at home, I have music playing, yeah. and I find uh, it's easier to find a rhythm um, to the read. Yeah. So if you, need help, interesting. if you need help feeling happy, put a happy song in your ear and just listen to it, and then do the read. That's a pretty solid advice, you know? Set the tone. Are you going to try it? Why wouldn't I? I mean, you know, I'm not used to talking and listening to music, but worth a try. Well, the thing is, is you can put it at such a low volume that you can hear it when there's nothing else going on, but as soon as you start talking, you won't hear it anymore. You'll still have the feeling of being happy because, hey, I just listened to this cool song and I'm going to talk about it. And now I'm smiling and I'm happy and I'm doing the read. So one ear with a monitor and then the other ear with the music. And then you're just yeah, or don't letting even it use take the monitor. Yeah, I wouldn't use the monitor. You wouldn't though. use them. I'm wondering if there will be like a lot of feedback with the music in the background. or Well, you know what I mean? Like with the little sound vibrations. Nah, I be fine. Um, so yeah, so... But, but that's, you know, to James's point, everybody's got to find whatever it is that gets them to be them, right? And and knowing that's okay. Yeah, knowing that's okay. Do you have something, James, that lets you be you? Aside from music, don't steal mine. No, I... <laughs> it's mine. Shit, I was gonna... I, it's music. Um, no, you know what? I, when I have had my best reads, uh, it's exactly like Bruce says, and like we've been told, it's tapping into something personal and actually... Letting yourself be there and feeling that. I know what it is that I need to do, but I think in this theme of confidence, often I get too much into my head and I start to think, well, maybe that experience is no good. And maybe maybe it needs to be something else. And then that's when I know I, I don't I do not have a good read um, because I'm not there. And lots of times on Tuesdays, when I get the critique that I'm just reading through it, I know exactly that's what I'm doing. I guess the good thing is I'm aware of it. I don't like it. Do you think we should be playing your reads back for you to kind of hear yourself? And No, I listen to all my reads um, well, again. You don't want them in that moment to... No. Kind of... No, I think mostly it's it's 
I, th- I think like what we're talking about, it's this idea of, of self-awareness and tapping in um, to what I need to do. Not worried about what you guys want to hear. Um, not worried about reading the words, but tapping into what I need to do. Exactly. Um, and that's, yeah, that's probably, um, that's the hardest thing for me right now. The words aren't as important as everybody makes them. That may have been Dave Fanoy, but regardless, <laughs> don't don't be married to the words. Glide over the words. The words are always going to be there if you need to reference them. What you want is the feeling, like the words are, are of a vehicle for the feeling that you're trying to convey, right? And that's why the most important thing that you can do when you get in the booth is figure out who you are, who you're talking to, and what you want them to feel, right? And then you just use the words as a vehicle to convey that. And yeah, the writing isn't always great and you have to go by what's written on the coffee, but you can, that's the beauty about getting yourself into where you need to be is you can mess up the words and put your own words in there and just not record it. And then when you're ready to go, you just read the words as they are, but with the same feeling that you've been practicing with, right? Now that's kind of interesting because um, I think one other thing I'm learning is uh, creating these these little triggers for yourself, like what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, that you can do what what's comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily have to do what I was told to do in a certain class or watching somebody else. It's probably, it's it's definitely where I need to get to next. Yeah. I um, mean, we mentioned in the very first episode that this, what, what we do with learning and our, our professional growth when we go to workshops and we go to, um, our classes and stuff like that. It's not, we don't take the, the, the teacher's word as gospel, right? And when we come to do these things on Tuesday night where we practice, we don't take our friend's word as gospel and be like, oh, I got to do this. It's everybody hears what they hear at the exact time that they're hearing it. And they may be hearing something way different than somebody else. And that's fine. You can take all that. Then you just got to sift through and be like, which parts match up from what I've learned professionally, what works for me, and then you just put that all together and you do it. And that's hard. That's an experience thing, right? I mean, you just got to get in there and do it and work on it till you find your sweet spot. For as many trainers as I've had at the studio, everybody has a different way of saying things. And even the people that come in have different perspectives based on where they live. LA people look at diff- things differently yeah. than New York people do. Completely. You know, and it's like, well, who do you believe? And the point isn't to believe anybody. They're giving you their perspective. It's to pick the things out that make sense to you and that you think can work for you and then try them. That's a great statement. Some Not necessarily having to believe everybody but understanding yeah. what but works the, for you. At the same time, you're still, at at the end of the day, you're auditioning like when we actually start getting paid stuff. We have to match the vision of the casting director. So we can't just be like, oh, this is my read. Uh-huh. Granted, they want it. But, but there is absolutely no way to know what's in the mind of a casting director. So all you can do is be you. And remember that when you auditioning, a little bit different because whatever. When you get booked, they hired you. They like you. When you're auditioning... Just be you because that's all you're going to be able to give them. Um, unless it's a character read, but there's always going to be a part of you in there too, right? You're putting yourself into that character and then doing the read. Ahoy, matey. Yeah. You just have to be you, right? 
And it's not necessarily about worrying about, oh, what James, I think, wants me to be a pirate like Pirates of the Caribbean, but then I got to have a, a Spanish main accent. And it's not about that. It's about they want a pirate. This is and these are the directions that they give me. This is my version of the directions. And then you just do you. And if they don't like that, then you're not going to get the job. And that is definitely something that you have to be okay with. And it's not that it was wrong. Correct. You are not wrong. Your voice just wasn't what they had in their head, right? Or maybe they didn't know what they had in their head till they heard it, and boom. And that happens a lot based on stories. They don't know. And that's actually when you get a lot of direction on a page for like a spot that's like a couple sentences long, but the, the, the directions and everything are like a... A half a page long? Yeah, I've seen that before. So that's somebody that doesn't know what they want yet. And so what I've been told is you go through and you pick out a couple things, not everything, and you do that read with just those couple directions in mind. And maybe you'll hit on something. But if you don't, they're going to be like, eh, we don't want it that way. Do it like this. And then you're going to start giving them a path to follow. And then they're eventually going to get to where they know what they want to hear, right? So the point is, is you could never know what's in somebody's head. Even if it specifically says on the directions what they want, you can do it exactly how it says. And they're going to be like, nah, it doesn't sound right. They don't know. But I guess, I guess in a way, like if, if you're an experienced person, right, you, you've gotten over some of these hurdles that we're talking about, you know how to be yourself, then you're also helping the director understand what he wants to then by delivering it your own way yeah and you're helping him discover so. also what he wants i think you have to be careful in that aspect when you don't want to go too far off like my idea is better they're not going to no no no, that. no but um, but just in hearing your take right of it, that if you follow the directions and you be you and they hear something a little different that might not be what they thought that they wanted exact that's exactly but then they're like oh but that this works. sounds really yeah. good right then yeah you're giving them that and that's cool because you're still the person that they hired. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All you're doing is changing the way that they feel about it. And that's good. Right? Either way, it works. You got the job. You're doing it. You're being you. You don't have to pretend to be somebody else. Um, but I think that's what a lot of people have trouble coming to grips with. A lot of, a lot of us don't like hearing our own voice. Like, human beings, for whatever reason, yeah. just don't like hearing their own voice. And when you oh, hear yeah. it, you think it's inferior. You think yeah. nobody's going to want to listen to you and all this other kind of stuff, right? That translates directly into doing voiceover because you're like, oh, all right, I'm going to do this. This sounds really cool. And it'll sound amazing in your head or amazing in the shower when you have really good reverb, right? And all this stuff. And then you go <laughs> do it in a microphone and you're like, oh, God, I sound like that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, but yeah. somebody wants to hear that. But we're back to imposter syndrome, right? The, the yeah, feeling that exactly. you just aren't good yeah. enough. Yeah. I just hope the person that wants to hear it isn't, uh, you know, wanting to hear it and wanting something more. You know, it's like, what are they getting out of my voice? Is it is it comedy? Or, like, I don't want my voice to be used... In a way that I'm, this goes back to social media. Is I I don't want to be embarrassed with the final product. So it's like, is this something I'm gonna have to get over long term? Just whatever pays. Well, how do you mean? So so that's interesting to me because, let's say somebody hires Brittany, Brittany gets a job and you go and you do this right, and it's for a commercial. Doesn't really matter what it is, and it comes out and you hear it and you're like, wow, I sound horrible, but to them, you were the perfect voice. 
That's what they wanted to hear. They hired you and wrote they you a check. They hired you and wrote you a check because that's... So what constitutes embarrassing or whatever at that point? Is it just your personal view on it? Like, oh, I sound horrible. Or is it like, is it like maybe they do like a, a mocking commercial and you didn't really know that's what it was or... or yeah, um, I guess a adult diaper scenario. I mean, I guess I could always say no, not even audition, but I'm, I'm thinking, like, my voice is used for a character, and I didn't... I said yes to a role, and then the role possibly changed over time. Like, I guess maybe, like, commitment-type work, where you're going to be doing a series of ads, you sign a contract, and... It progresses, or maybe you read an audio, or you sign up to do an audiobook, and then the audiobook, you didn't read it all the way, and there's some lines that you just personally can't morally agree with. Mm. So I guess I go into like the longer stuff when you don't have time to get to know it all, and then you sign up for something that. It's interesting. So, so this is what I hate, always you say: despise it. is that you probably hope you have that problem because oh, you're yeah, yeah. booking so much work. Here I am. Head. I don't even have you my job, and I'm like. So that's actually interesting. My friend just told me about a little story. He's he does acting, but like as a side thing. He's an older gentleman, and he does a lot of smaller parts. But he got tapped for a role in a large movie with a couple of large people. And it would be coming out around Christmas time, which is pretty good, right? Christmas time movies usually do pretty well. He probably would have made a good bit of money from it. But Christmas and the celebration of Christmas goes against his religion. So even though it's a movie, it's fake, has absolutely nothing to do with whatever, he thought to himself, do I want my friends, family, and people that I go to church with to see me doing a Christmas movie at Christmas time? Even though I know it's against what we believe, that I that I understand, and he he didn't do it. He turned down a good bit of money for it, and he's just like it. It helped me sleep because I had to make that decision. People ask all the time, "Is it okay to do these fifty dollars spots? Is it okay to do these hundred dollars spots?" Because I was told when I get done doing whatever that I should ask for this amount of money, or this is the average that I found on this website, right? And the fact is, is that only you can make that decision for what you are going to compromise right sometimes you're going to choose to do the $50 stuff because you're just starting out and you need that resume right so you're going to choose to do these little things sometimes you're going to do the little $50 jobs because they were your original client that hired you 10 years ago and they still send you stuff every once in a while and you want to maintain good relations sometimes you're not going to do them even when you are starting out because it goes against some belief you have because you're this political party and they're talking bad about the political oh, party yeah, you're affiliated yeah. with, right? Like, so you don't want to do that spot. No politics for me, ever. Right. And that's fine. As a person, you can make those decisions and you should never feel bad about what you compromise. Now, if you get into the spot... Unless for, you pay a lot. Right. Sorry. Every, every, everybody has a their lot. price, right? Okay. But, um, you know, I don't know the reasons why people get recasted. I'm sure there are many, but I'm sure that's one of them, where... Let's say you do one video game and you, you really like the person that you're playing and in the second sequel that they've done, they've evolved her to some point where you just don't like her anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with that anymore. I don't want to do this. Now, I don't know how it works when you're locked into a contract. That's a whole bunch of legal stuff that I, I, I am not aware of yet. But um, at that point, if they ask you if you want to do it again, all you got to do is, no, I, I don't agree with the direction you've taken. Now, if they like you, they could rewrite the character. 
or change some stuff to make it whatever. But that's, again, like James said, problems that you should be happy to have at that point. Yeah, and we, we're kind of talking about two different things, which I'm sure we'll talk about in another show. But you're talking about a business plan decision versus the things we're talking about being yourself, things like that, artistic decisions versus business plan yeah. decisions. Yeah. Um, you take the $50 job or you don't take the $50 job based on what's best for your business. I don't think it's based on because someone told you to take it or not to take it because you're going to poison the well, all these things. Yeah, I'm not a big believer in that. You do what's best for your business. Yeah. And as long as you're working with good morals. Yeah. Um, or you do what's best for you. That's for the your best decision for you. Whatever helps you yeah. sleep. Whatever you can live with, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if you come across stuff like that, obviously you're going to want to turn it down because you don't ever want to compromise who you are Yeah. just to do something, right? That's why you get empty reads and you get people that are just willing to do anything for the money. If you want to be somebody like that, then go for it. But that's, again, ultimately up to you. We'll see. So would you say that a hurdle you have, Brittany, then, is the fear of the unknown? I'm a planner. I mean, I go with the flow (laughs) when it comes to, like, I'm going to go on this vacation, but I don't know what I'm going to eat for dinner. You know, that's that's kind of uh, where I leave the mystery. Okay. (laughs) The fear of the unknown and getting into your head and building these scenarios. Everybody does that. Yeah, right? yeah. You, you build up all these expectations, all these stories in your head. And then you talk um, yourself out of Until you're frozen, yeah. right? Until you're frozen and you can't make a decision. In the hurdle show, that's a huge hurdle. Yeah. And I think that's honestly the reason why in our classes there's a lot of leave all your stuff at the door. Yeah. Just give me the read. Don't even think about it. Just go in, walk in and do it and don't even think about it. Because you don't give yourself a chance to to second guess. You don't give your chance to self to, uh, or yourself a chance to think. And when you're just reading off the cuff, it's a lot more natural. Yeah. Until you sit there and you read it and you try to figure out like, oh, uh, and then that's where things can become sounding very rehearsed, right? And you can get into a rhythm and you always speak in that rhythm. And then when somebody asks you to do something different and they direct you to do something, you're like, uh, I don't know what to do because I didn't practice it that way, right? And yeah. It's, and it's the same kind of thing. You go in and if you're just you and you just don't even like some of your best reads we said in the first episode come from when you don't care. And Did tonight? I care tonight? No. No, your reads were so yeah. good today. Yeah. When Jimmy is not here, Jimmy's a very fun boy, as in he's got a lot of energy. I will try to embody him more, but then when he's here, I feel like a, I don't want him to feel like I'm mimicking him, but he's a good embodiment. I, I so so it's good. I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about, right? Being able to jump that hurdle yeah. of uh, because you have found something you can tap into. Yeah. yeah when you go home energy. and you do your auditions... Jimmy's not going to be there, and you can be all Jimmy as you want. When you go into a studio to do reads, Jimmy's not going to be there. Jimmy likes cats. I like cats. That's probably where I'm stealing his energy from, the cat people. So this first part might sound extremely terrible because I was only recording on one channel because my brain isn't uh, picking up on, you know, I was only hearing from one ear. So uh, I don't know if that's editable. We'll find out. I don't think so. You know what? That's fine. Duly noted. I did a little, you know, Edgar inspired me. He's like, I'm just auditioning and then getting feedback. And I'm like, well, I'm going to try that. Good. Good for you. So uh, there's a site. I've mentioned it before. I don't think you were actually at this uh, meetup. You might have been, Bruce. Sorry, James might have not. It's called Casting Call Club. 
And they've got lots of random stuff, some paid, some not paid, and, you know, you get more perks if you're, uh, if you personally subscribe, but you can still audition for free, even if you don't have a paid account. And in the morning, I did two auditions, and one was for this commercial in Manchester, and then the other one, okay, that was about, like, bicycles, sorry, uh, the other one was this random part of a girl that is, uh, you know, youthful teenage years, and I did her role, and then the director messaged me back a little later and said, oh, amazing, how about you try these other two roles, too? Oh, And yeah. I, I'm like, okay, I'll do them tonight, because I was at work. See, why would you not share that with us? That's amazing. Because it's like, oh, it's this is a free one, you know, I'm not trying to make no, money No, but right okay, so, so it doesn't matter. Why wouldn't I share it? Because I've been sharing it now. Okay, all right, all right. All right, fair enough. I mean, it's still fair the enough. same day. I think, you know what's kind of cool is the, how we started off the show talking about the hurdles we have to jump. And you've already jumped it. You've already gone and yeah, put I mean, yourself out there. It. I'm doing it now. But, yeah, good, Well, good. I just want to, like, you know, have experience editing myself. I'm, I get all excited about, you know, I just want to not be the slow one. <laughs> I want to keep moving. Yes. Yeah. Slow ones, yeah. I mean, slow to, like, actually get uh, my feet wet in terms of getting either rejected or loved. I mean, I feel like that's where I'm really going to grow is just constant feedback of I'm liking it or I'm hating it. Like, I just need to be whammied with knowing where I stand because I'm finding myself, but I'm also finding myself through feedback because... That's important. Yeah. I mean... My point to you is don't ever feel like you're behind or in front of or even next to anybody. You're on this yeah. journey and it's yours. Yeah. So don't ever feel like you're slow or fast or whatever. It's whatever works for you. Just remember that if you do get good positive feedback out, even outside of here or include us in that, we're not lying to you to make you feel better. I would never do that to you, and I don't think James would either. Yeah, no. We they don't respect like me you. enough. Yeah, we respect you. <laughs> we respect you to tell you the truth. Yeah. They uh, don't care if I cry. That's a, Yeah, no. Exactly. No, we don't care if you cry. Um, yeah, so, but it's good that you're getting outside feedback. They're totally disassociated with you from people saying you, that you're good. Um, that's amazing. That's an amazing story. I mean, they might have been lying, too. They heard my lack of confidence. <laughs> Just kidding. Maybe. There's the imposter syndrome. Boom. So, so this is, I think this is kind of cool because... Um, for all beginners who are listening to this, people who are just starting off, here was the first hurdle I had to jump over, and I think it sounds like the the same for you guys. It's once you get started, where do you stand? Am I good? Am I not good? Am I ready to demo? There's no, it's, it's really interesting. It's very ambiguous where you are because of the way the business works. Um, and... The ability to take ongoing classes, mm -hmm. uh, to be part of a group where you help uh, self-critique and things like that really helps you jump that first hurdle of where am I in the place of all this VO stuff and when can I be ready to demo? Because I think that's everybody's first question, right? In 101, that's always everyone's first question. Yeah. I think um, what you said is, is doubly important because I honestly consider us to be very lucky. I'm pretty sure it was all of our first choices to do where we went. Yeah, classes, yeah right? I think we talked about it last yeah. week. Yeah. So we got, 
So I think we got super lucky in the fact that we didn't get gypped. That's probably not the proper word. That I, I think we got super lucky. Super lucky that we didn't get bamboozled <coughs> by somebody who's just there to make money and tell us nice things and tell us that oh you can do this absolutely here here you go and lead us through all this stuff take our money and then give us false hopes and it sounds like there's a lot of that out there it does a lot and you have to be super careful about that so um, yeah I think that really boils down into it. It, it we were told from the very start what to expect and what to do and we were just very lucky that that, that they were true and like that for you I think the one on one sessions would be super helpful because they do go into that super critiquing personal feedback kind of thing yeah so um, that's what know. I gotta start doing I gotta start doing some one on yeah. ones because the, yeah. the, the Tuesday groups are great for practicing and, and talking yeah. about stuff but you should never forsake professional education and growth for being with people because you're comfortable and the fact that they're not going to tell you anything negative. That bears repeating. Hey, hey, hey. No, no, no. And, and, I'm no, hoping no, that no, that's I, not I, I the thing. I think that bears repeating, though, yeah. what you just said. That's Peer feedback is one type of feedback, and that's great. But you also need to hear things from professionals who have been doing this kind of thing. And, yeah, they cost money. Yeah, they cost time. But that's where, like, managing those two things is where you're, you're, you're going to grow. You're going to practice. And then you're going to go hear professionals and you're going to put the two together and figure out what works best for you. And I think that's pretty important. Yeah, I completely agree. I just, um, I don't really feel like I get buttered up too, too much yet. You know, whoops, hanging out with anybody in the classes. And I do agree about going to the one-on-ones. I guess I just didn't really feel, I didn't know what I wanted to focus on and I didn't know who I wanted and more recently I've kind of come to terms of like okay this is my next set of plans I don't know it's like I didn't want to waste their time at the infancy because you want to like do it when you already kind of have an idea of where you're at so I went to a ton of ongoings or so it felt I've actually uh, I don't know if you got that but I got it like a one-on-one in the character one two like the very last day was very it was similar to the intro in a sense, where you go and get your personal Oh, they sit feedback. down with you yeah, and give yeah. you some... So I have had some personal moments, but I haven't signed up for an instructor. But part of it is like, okay, so I didn't even know those existed until like an email came out a little while later. So A lot of people didn't know that. Um, yeah. I mentioned it the other day, and, and I think Ellen and Shandar both were just kind of like, yeah, we thought the one-on-ones were just there. I think you may have said it too. We're just there to be there right before you do your demo. So you that's like, yeah, that's why I was under the impression yeah. of that too. Before. And and they're just there for any time when you want to talk to somebody and figure out where yeah, you are like or you want to focus on under the table thing. deal. I don't yeah, know. No, but that's something like it's not as advertised as the overall classes, you know. So that's what led me to not even going down that route earlier. And yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's to come. You know, you're going to hear about that in the future. Yeah, I think as we're talking about uh, our progress and things, you're definitely going to hear all of us talk about how we got over these hurdles that we're talking about today and then how we're going to get over the next ones that we have to face. Every week brings new hurdles. But, uh, yeah, I think the idea of finding confidence, believing in yourself, self-awareness 
are huge, huge tools that if you can tap into those things, it makes things much easier. I'm always jealous of all you guys who have a theater background or acting background. It seems like a lot of you guys have a base of how to You guys create as in hopefully the listeners, something. not not us in the room. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, pe- people I know and, and again, yeah, this is probably a confidence thing, but when, when you're in class with people who have an uh, acting background or some kind of entertainment background, I immediately feel inferior to them because I think they have a tool that I don't have or they have a secret that I don't have. Secret sauce. Yeah. Interesting. Because that's a, that's a whole other topic. Yeah, that's, that's, I had a long discussion with somebody about that a couple weeks ago about how when, like, first impressions on people and, and, and what they don't end up seeing, like, they look at somebody who's super famous because they're an actor, right? Um, and they've heard about their story and how it was super hard for them to get there. And maybe they don't believe it, right? Maybe this person came from, you know, some small city and actually made it. Like, they got to L.A. and they made it and they got super big. And it was because all the hard work they put in there. Nah, they must have known somebody. They had some kind of connection. And they never believe it, right? But they also refuse to look at all of the hard work and effort that goes into honing your craft and doing it over and over. And the rejection upon rejection yeah. upon rejection that you mm-hmm. get. All they see are the successes. Which is another hurdle that we have to soon get over. Soon, yeah, soon, soon. Those will come soon. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's an interesting thing. Like, people are so quick to judge, and they're like, just because they're successful, you know, and, and I liken it to when people talk about, like, art or music, right, and they see super talented people that can sing or, or draw or paint. Like, oh, I could never do that, right? Yeah. And that's not true. Both of those things, even though they're art, you can work at, you can get better at drawing. I've seen time-lapse pic- pictures of people who can't even barely draw a stick figure. And then like two years later, because they did the work and they drew every single day, they're drawing amazing things. It's it's something that can be taught. And people sometimes refuse to believe that. For some reason, they chalk it up to, oh, it's the arts. You're born with an innate talent. Or limiting beliefs. And that's fine. You're all left brain. Yeah, people can be born with innate talents. Yeah. And that just gives them maybe an extra step that they either don't do or can do better when they're studying, but they still have to study. They still have to hone their craft. They still have to put in the effort and the work. And that's what people don't see is that these people still have to do all that. If you are born with a talent or, or some kind of skill and you never use it, you're not going to get anywhere. Exactly. Exactly. You still have to do the work. It might come easy to you than or easier to you than somebody else, but you still have to do the work. All of these people that do these things have to do the work. They have to put in the day in, the day out. And some people spend more hours than others, and that's fine. If it's something you want to do, then you just have to put in the work and effort. Yeah. I 100% completely Which is that. why we're here, right? Yeah. Yeah. People that work the hardest are, are usually the ones that actually take it the most far. I have a crappy story. Not a crappy, but it makes me sad. The valedictorian of my high school. Perfect. Grades. Amazingly book smart, you know, I didn't know you could go above 4.0, but this dude, he gets a job at a, like a 7-Eleven and gets fired, like he gets a, a manager job right after graduating college and a, and a business degree, gets fired because he showed up late for work, then starts delivering pizzas and that's his life, and I'm, I'm like almost 30, and this guy, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's got everything going for him, like, I don't know, he read books and, and memorized it, probably stoned his F, you know? 
And uh, it really, you know, doesn't doesn't matter what you say you can do. It's really what you do. Yeah. The potential is a curse and a blessing. If he didn't put in the work and the effort to do anything with all the smarts that he had, then it's not going to matter, right? And a lot of people... So I was told once upon a time... Well, not told, but I have what I consider to be an interesting interview style for people when interviewing for jobs that one that was taught to me by somebody who I respect very much. Um, and when I, I have a very technical position, um, for what I do. And when I interview people, they have to be the smartest of the smart type of people to, okay. to, to do that. Right. Um, the thing is, is if they're coming to talk to me, I already know they're smart. I don't have to worry about that. So for my interviews, I ask them things that aren't necessarily technically related so I understand what kind of person they are and how they think and what their mm-hmm. methodology is for, for various things. And I do this not because I don't think I need to, to, to worry about their technical stuff. Technical stuff doesn't change. It does when the times change, but that's just learning new stuff. What I'm hiring you for, I'm going to know immediately whether or not you know what you're talking about. If you come into the job day one and you don't know what you said you know on your resume i am immediately gonna know and i'm immediately gonna fire you that doesn't bother me right that doesn't bother me what bothers me is whether or not i hire you and you do know all your stuff but maybe you're not going to get along with the culture that we're working in or maybe there's going to be personality clashes and those are the things that i'm interested in might ask one technical question here or there just to make sure but other than that i don't care all of the technical stuff on resumes that goes out goes out to get through HR bots that scan for certain keywords and stuff like that. And people know how to game that stuff up and down. I mean, they just hire people off of Fiverr to do that. Off of what? Fiverr. Oh, you know, oh just, right. Yeah, hire yeah, okay. Somebody yeah, yeah. five bucks, make yeah. my resume yeah, optimized. Right? So, so when I interview people, it's not necessarily to ascertain their technical skill. It's, it's whether or not they're going to fit. Because if you can't do the job that you're hired to do, it's going to be very evident very quickly mm-hmm. and I would and, and that's that's just the nature of it you cannot fake your way through some of that stuff and um, yeah I applaud you because culture is harder to teach than technical skill absolutely and that's what where most businesses fail in not teaching their culture before technical skill and that kind of ties into this right this idea of getting hired um, and performing the job that you're hired for, and that's understanding the culture of the person who's hiring you, mm-hmm. understanding what they want, what's important to them, yeah. more so than like what we're talking about, this technical skill of reading. That's a great tie-in. Yeah, I know you're going to put in the work if you're the kind of person and have the personality to do that, and that's what I'm interested in, right? And it's the same kind of thing. So for your valedictorian, Sure, he was smart, but if he never used that smart for anything to perpetuate his goals, it doesn't matter. And it's the yeah. same thing in our industry. If you have a talent for singing and you never sing, you're not going to be a singer. That's just the way it is. If you're good at changing your voice for voice acting, but you never hone your craft and you have no idea how booth etiquette works or how to be friends with engineers or the casting director or you have too much of an ego and you think your way is better than the people who have hired you, you're not going to do, you're not going to work. Right, and you have to know all these things. So it's all about the effort that you put into what you do that's going to get you where you're going to go. Don't burn those bridges. Yeah. Uh, it's good, good <laughs> cliche there. Tech technique can be learned. 
understanding culture and adapting to culture is a very specific skill level that not everybody has. Yeah. Man, I feel we've gone a long way from where we started with hurdles and stuff. That's the pace yeah. we're going. This is a Unless we're going for a two-hour show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 0.1, I'm going to say. I, you know, no, no, I guess whatever. this is one. Is this one? I don't know. We're going to just call it something. No. Episode next. Episode <laughs> prequel part two. Okay. <laughs> Episode prequel part two. I mean, we're going to get more organized. We're feeling it. We're having fun. Well, should we wrap it up? Want to yeah, read a book? Um, sure. Let's see. Choose the uh, the one that we wouldn't no, have I'm not gonna go for, I'm Do not going to go for that shelf again. Uh, d- uh, don't choose the Oh, my God. Book. Look at this man's pecs. What? Here's something for book. you. It, it was only a is that five ninety nine. Private affair or primal affair? Oh, how about oh, Tom? private affair? Not even that. How about Tom Clancy? Oh, Tom Clancy. Ah. Uh, the Cardinal of the Kremlin. Okay. All right. And just random page, right? Yes. Oh no, that's way too many words. So as we wrap up uh, each pod, we're sitting here in the library. Probably, I don't know, five hundred books in here. We Something just like grabbed that. one off the shelf, and uh, Bruce is going to entertain us with a short little read. I am. I don't know how many. I'm going to read, like, maybe... Oh, you tell me when to stop. Stop. Okay, done. <laughs> <laughs> read that Tom Clancy. Passage through the Cattegate is a tricky affair for a submarine. Doubly so when it's necessary to be covert. The water is shallow there. Too shallow to run submerged. The channels can be tricky in daylight. They are worse at night and worse still without a pilot. Since Dallas's passage was supposedly a secret one, a pilot was out of the question. Mancuso rode the bridge. Below, his navigator sweated at the chart table while a chief quartermaster manned the periscope and called out bearings to various landmarks. They couldn't even use a radar to help with navigation, but the periscope had a low-light amplifier, which didn't quite turn night to day, but at least made the starless darkness look like a twilight. The weather was a gift with low clouds and sleet that restricted visibility just enough that the low, dark shape of the 688-class submarine would be difficult to spot from land. The Danish Navy knew of the submarine's transit and had a few small craft out of ward had a, and had a few small craft out to ward off any possible snoopers. There were none, but aside from that, Dallas was on her own. Snoopers. Nice. Snoopers. Well, that was uh, Tom Clancy, the Cardinal of the Kremlin. Not a sponsor. <laughs> Don't sue us, Tom. <laughs> Tom's made enough money, man. Do Tom. we say goodbye? So is Disney, and they sue everybody. Oh, I shouldn't That's say true. that. Now we're going to get sued. We're suing Disney next. That's no way. Right. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. We're suing Disney. Whoops. I'm I am not out. a part of that. Yeah, now we're never getting voiceover jobs. We're suing them for what they yeah, did I'm, to our childhood. I might want to work with them one day to do Star Wars stuff. Ah. Uh, Maybe they'll and sell And Marvel it. stuff. Yeah, maybe they will. Okay. All right. Goodbye, people. This is, uh, this is great. I'm enjoying this. Last time I said I love you, so this time I'll say, eh, you're you. okay. Yeah. You have a sound it. effect for us? <laughs> Barts. <laughs> Talk to you next time. See you guys.